Hey, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Thriving Thoughts. I am your host, Dr. Sherry. Oh my gosh, you guys, I have to tell you, when I started this podcast and announced that I would be starting it, I did not have a guest lineup. And my guest today, Desiree Battle, which, by the way, like I love her name, Desiree Battle, and the story that she shares with us is all about the battle that she fought when she was feeling alone and how she has learned to overcome those alone spaces and use them. So I just love that Desiree battle. Anyway, Desiree asked me a question and she said, hey, how's season four shaping up? Do you have enough guests? And I said, you know, I don't have all of season four lined up, but I'm confident that God is going to provide the right guests at the right time. My friends, we're on episode 83. God has provided a quality, amazing guest to share a vulnerable, encouraging story with you every step of the way. So I have every confidence that this season is going to be no exception to that. So today's guest, my dear friend, Desiree, I love her heart. I love her story. In this episode, you guys, she gets super vulnerable about what it's like to be alone, to be left alone with a small child and four months pregnant and not having any sort of labor or delivery plan, uprooting herself, moving to a new community. You guys, if you're a single parent, if you have ever had these fears about being alone in these most unstable of places, guess what? Desiree shares that every one of her worst fears came true. But she learned to thrive through them. And in today's episode, she is going to share that with you. So here is my conversation with my friend, Desiree Battle. Should actually make a video of bloopers totally. for the show because it would be quite funny. <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah. At the end of, at the end of each season or yes, whatever. You just do it? a blooper reel. Yeah. Instead of a highlight yeah, reel, do a, a highlight blooper reel. You remember how it was back in the 80s when we used to have our like our, our Friday night shows and then at the end of the season they used to show the bloopers? Yes. I used to love those episodes. I know. Yeah. They don't really do that anymore. It's almost like we're not humble enough to do that. I don't know. Anyway, Desiree Battle, welcome back to the show. We are here for a second time, although the listeners and viewers don't know that because they don't know that we had some technical snafus with the first one and so I'm so happy that we get to have a conversation again. Um, and the reason I'm excited about that is because I don't know where it's going to go now. You know, like <laughs> I thought about like, that. Yeah. yeah, I thought about so, that. It was so, so you know, the first conversation is always so um, so so authentic and so genuine, yeah. and you can't recreate. No, it, so. but we can't recreate or invent this one either because we haven't really talked about it. We're just going to have a conversation like we did last time, and I'm going to start off asking you the same question, but maybe your answer is going to be different. I don't know. It's kind of like all kinds of anticipation here. So, Desiree, the the, <laughs> <laughs> the theme for this season is thriving alone, meaning. Uh, you sharing about a time that you felt alone and um, how you, what you learned about yourself in the process and how you have used that to grow yourself as a person. So what have you learned to thrive through alone? Oh my gosh. Love, still love that question. I get really passionate and emotional when I talk and it's not like a bad, like a bad way, but you know, the emotions start to well up and I'm like, I'm going to need tissue. Oh, okay. like, <laughs> so I always make sure to have some close by. I love that. Yeah. I love that you're expecting you to that? go deep. 
<laughs> That's what we're all about I mean, on this show. I just, I just know myself at this yeah. point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But, um, I, you know, I can remember a time when I felt physically alone and emotionally lo- alone and mm-hmm. mentally alone. Um, and it was a really strange place for me because I had not recognized the term being alone before. Mm-hmm. And so um, if I recall, it was the day my second son was born. Okay. Uh, and so that means you have he, two sons. I do. I have two boys. Yep. My oldest was about seven or eight at the time. Okay. Uh, and I was married, but my husband had left when I was about four months pregnant. Uh, and we had moved to a city um, that was about 250 miles from my family. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so it was new territory for me. It was the first time that I was physically alone and I was facing challenges that I had never faced before mm. alone. And it was a it was a real struggle to just con- to keep going, basically, at that point in my life. Yeah. Just with those circumstances. Well, you probably had anticipated or at least considered the fact that you would go through the birth of your second child with your spouse with you. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that to me was always, you know, always my goal. I think that was one of my worst fears was raising children alone and being alone. And I just realized that I had this fear and I didn't have this safety around being alone. And so I, mm-hmm. I kind of held on to it, even though maybe at the time I knew it probably wasn't the best situation for the family or for sure. either of us personally. Okay. And so, yeah, I, I just, you know, I was holding on to the hope that somebody would be there. Exactly. Yeah. But, okay, so th- thank you for saying that and being honest about that, Desiree, because um, I think a lot of times, particularly as women, I don't, I, you know, I don't claim to know much about the psyche of a man because I'm not one. <laughs> but um, particularly as women, I think it's so easy to cling to yeah. uh, something that we had expected or hoped Absolutely. And, and even if it doesn't work out in the way that we thought, like for you example, with your husband leaving, sometimes we clamor for that and we'll take the next best thing instead of, right. Instead of like going it alone. But it sounds like in your case, you, you did not do that. Let me ask you this. Did you have the opportunity or even the inkling to want to do that so that you were not alone? (laughs) Wow. Such a great question. Yeah. Yeah, there was a there was a period of time where um, he did, you know, offer to come back and, and want to come mm. back and, and reconcile. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, I had recognized the cycle, you know, him getting up and leaving at four months pregnant was not the first time that had happened. Right. OK. And okay. so it was recognizing the cycle and understanding yeah. that yeah. if I was going to be healthy mentally and physically, if I wanted to raise healthy children. I had to raise them in an environment that was stable. stable uh, and so yeah. there was an opportunity, right, to not go at it alone. But for me, mm-hmm. it meant that it could have been more dangerous, more scary, mm-hmm. more unpredictable. And at the time, you oh, know, yeah. with it just being myself, I was able to, even though it was hard, I was able to sort of give, you know, our life that stability and that control. Yeah. So I've I've got... Uh, maybe a couple of questions for you about that, but you mentioned something that is hugely insightful. And I think something that connects with women everywhere that this wasn't the first time Mm. that he had left. Right. So let us in on how this time was different than the last. Mm. 
particularly given the fact that here you are four months pregnant, and I'm assuming the last time he did this, maybe you weren't pregnant. Yeah, no, it, it was a reoccurring thing. You know, it was something that happened uh, very frequently. Um, mm -hmm. We were only married very short time, you know, a year and a half. But for okay. me, I had noticed um, similar red flags prior to um, prior to the marriage. Um, mm -hmm. And even in, and I, I recognized that, you know, people are not perfect and he was not perfect and there was going to yeah. be some sort of struggle, you know, to, yeah. to get on the same page. But I was willing yeah. to, um, I was willing to work that thing out. Um, what was your question again, Sherry? I'm sorry. Well, so the question was, if that wasn't the first time, like, so right now you are like laying yourself bare for us to, for <laughs> me to like dig into. And here's why oh, I am ahead. asking you to do that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you to be even more vulnerable because okay. that's a place that I went to um, in my book with regard to my split was how even though there were red flags before mm -hmm. I got into the relationship, the different mm -hmm. rationalizations that I yeah. used to be able to actualize what I expected or wanted, that's mm -hmm. one thing. But But then eventually there was a shift for me, as I'm assuming there must have been for you if this wasn't mm -hmm. the first time that he left. Oh, right. Yeah. So, yeah. so what was, what was the shift in your mind? Like, when did you go, okay, the last time I said, yeah, come back. But this time I was like, no way. No. This time I was like, no. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Not even yeah, no, no way, no just way. no. Just no. <laughs> and that's such a hard question, Sherry, because there's so many things that yeah. got me to that point. Yeah. Okay. yeah. One very, oh, thing that I love about my oldest son, right, is that he can articulate emotions in a way that I could not as a child and even struggled with as an adult. And I okay. remember him telling me one time after one of our fights that it made him, his words were that when you guys fight, it makes me uncomfortable, he said, and mm. it makes me sad. Mm. And he said that to me. He said uncomfortable? He said uncomfortable. Wow. He, I, I can't remember how old he was at the time. And when he said that, it did something to me because I come from, I come from that background too, where I was a kid who also experienced some very uncomfortable things. Okay. But we are, I was from a generation where kids are seen and not heard. Yeah. And so I sat back and, and shut up right. and internalized all of that. And, and so you didn't he, dare tell anybody you felt uncomfortable. Oh, no, no. I mean, it <laughs> wasn't until well into my thirties right. when I could even like look back and, and, and realize, you know, the impact that it had on me. Yeah. And so when he said that at four five or six, however old he was, I made it my duty to make sure that I was giving him the best possible life that he mm -hmm. could have. Mm -hmm. And so I recognized that in going back and forth yeah. and having these arguments as small or as big as they blew up to, sure. you know, some of them becoming, you know, very like, you know, physically abusive, mm -hmm. very emotionally abusive. I didn't want to subject him to that in his yeah. life. And I knew there was a small window for me yeah. to put that behind us and allow him to see some things that were a lot healthier. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so with the second baby coming into the, mm -hmm. in, into the picture, I wanted to make sure that I, I remember thinking this and I'll be very open with you. This was my exact, th exact thought when he left. It was, if I'm going to live to tell this story, mm. I'm going to have to do this alone. And that was my exact thought. Mm. And at that moment I was okay with it because I wanted to live to tell the story. <laughs> so, okay. Oh man, I got some goosebumps on me right now, but, and here's why. 
Because I, I think that what you are saying right now extends some grace to women watching who might not have reached that point of certainty that they'll, they'll do this and they'll do this alone. Mm -hmm. um, that you didn't even have an exact formula, but something shifted in you and you knew it when it did and it was time you were ready to listen oh, to it right because yeah. mm -hmm. i think a lot of times we can have these you know fights with ourselves internally like you're so stupid why are you doing this and um you know how this is going to turn out and why don't you just make up your mind but the grace offering here is when you are ready to hear and believe that you will so mm -hmm. extend yourself some grace in the meanwhile that when that clicks, it will click. Mm. And that will be your time that maybe right now is not your, not time. your time. Yeah. Wow. What are your thoughts? Uh, back then, I would have never thought about it as that. You know, mm. I, I didn't, I don't think I understood the meaning of grace uh, mm. as much as to I- To yourself, particularly. To yourself, yeah. As, yeah, as, yeah, much, yeah. As, as, as much as I believe in God and understood, you know, what his grace and mercy looked like for us. It was it was non-existent when it came to myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. but that's a that is a very um, that is a a very good point, and we do have to extend some grace to ourselves in a way mm -hmm. that you know sometimes we're not maybe able to handle what's on the other side of that's it. That's right. But I would always challenge that. Yeah. I would always challenge that because I just believe that um, if you know something is not right in your heart, yeah, you know. And it's it's a painful experience for you, and yeah, you know that it's not going the way that you would see your life going. You know, just to take that leap of faith, and that's what it was for me. It wasn't this type of grace thing. It wasn't this. It wasn't something that clicked. It was this. It was this notion that anything on the other side of this has to be better than has what I'm dealing be with now. So there was a determination for you. There was. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And I think on our last, um, the last one that recorded, it was like, I had to recall who I was prior to this relationship and prior to this situation at the moment. I, I look back and try yeah. to remember, like, who were you prior to this moment where you felt defeated? And yeah. I was, to me, in my own, in my own sense, you know, I was a champion. You know, mm -hmm. I was an athlete. And a lot of the things like the, you learn as an athlete you can take into your life or you can't take into your life. Some of it serves you, some of it doesn't, right? Sure. And that sort of thing served me because I was resilient. I was able to bounce back from, mm -hmm. uh, from win or loss to move on to the next victory or move on to the next race and just keep going. Yeah. And I wanted to be like that again. I wanted to be a champion and I wanted to feel like I was undefeated again mm -hmm. in life. Yeah. And so you, okay. So, but that is a trait of yours that, I would submit maybe not a lot of people that comes naturally to them, right? That determination that like, oh, yeah. hey, I've decided and I'm going to move forward with this. And I also agree and I'm thankful for your challenge to extending yourself grace. I think there's a place for that. And then there's not a place for that because it's not about extending grace to yourself and giving yourself permission to stay in a defeating situation. Mm -hmm. that's, that's not what I meant by that. It's giving yourself grace and understanding that if you have decided to do something, but you're having trouble determining to do that thing and following through with it like oh, you yeah. did, 
yeah. to, to then extend yourself some grace and go, okay, I'm, I might not be ready this time, but I'm going to be ready next time. You know, that yeah. kind of conversation with oh, yourself. Yeah. 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 You're right. Those, and those conversations were going on. It was like, this could be the time, you know what I mean? Like this yeah. could be the time we could, we yeah. could cut ties now. And I remember, you know, thinking just second guessing myself a lot and being like, no, you made a commitment. Like, this is what you're supposed to do. And I remember uh, a very good friend of mine said to me, um, when God provides you, when God provides you a life raft or something along the lines, um, don't allow somebody to poke a hole in it or something along those lines. It was something okay. like that. And I remember after that, you know, extending the invitation to my husband to join me in, in Pennsylvania where I had gotten my new job. And that's okay. what she meant. She meant that I was having a, she was, I was given a life raft to get out of a very difficult situation. Mm. And I was bringing him along with me on this new journey. And oh, so I didn't understand, wow. I didn't understand it at the time, but it stayed with me that's <laughs> and I understood good. it as time went by. Yeah. That's good. The other thing that, wow, that's powerful. Yeah. Like what are we, how are we sabotaging our own escape? Wow. Our own, not even escape, but foraging forward, like, yeah. you know, forging into our future, but yet we're still hanging up. Something's not hanging on to us, but we're hanging on to we're it. We're hanging on to it. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, that level of comfort. The other thing that struck me that you said, Desiree, was you said once you had determined to leave that and, and to be okay with not like having him come back and knowing that you're, you know, you've got one son and now you're pregnant with another one, um, is that you said, and once I had determined, I was okay with it. Even though you said, I didn't know what was on the other side of that, but I was okay with it. So in other words, you had gotten to a place mentally where, and correct me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but where the um, fear of staying where you were was greater than the fear of going to where you didn't know you were going. Absolutely. That, yeah. that is period. The end of story. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely mm -hmm. correct. Yeah. I remember there being this moment after he left that time because I knew in my head that this was the last time, right? And up until that point, you know, I could feel the the um, the fight growing in intensity. And all the while, I was trying to kind of um, just fade into the back because I knew what was going to happen, right? And so I was mm. not trying to amplify it, um, not trying to make it any more intense than it was. I just tried to be as okay. calm as possible. And when he left, I remember there was this moment of relief and it lasted for about 30 minutes to an hour because I was like, this is it. You know what I mean? Like, it, this is it. This is your moment. And then after that, it was this like fear. It was this, what now? You know, what mm. do we do now? And it was every day. It was just getting up and putting one foot in front of the other, going yeah. to that job, looking for a daycare center you know, yeah. figuring out a life that was convenient for us so that everybody was ha happy and healthy and, and mentally, emotionally had everything that they needed. Yeah. So it, what strikes me is you had to also have uh, a mental shift to um, a mindset shift, I'll say, um, to keep putting one foot in front of the other. I was just reading a book um, by John C. Maxwell. And one of the things he said is, you have to shift if you want to grow, if you want to move forward, if you want to achieve the life that you want to achieve, you have to go from either I can't or I think it was I can't. Yeah. He said, you have to go from I can't to can I to 
how can I? So like when you were in this situation, here you are alone, you don't have any resources. You're like, I'm just going to put one foot in front of the other. But you didn't ask yourself, can I do this? You asked yourself, how can I do this? And that's what allowed, that's what it sounds like to me. And that's what allowed you to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah, that's funny that you, that you just even interpret it like that because there was no answer coming back to me on the other side. It was like, <laughs> how can right. I do this? And there was just silence on the other end. <laughs> Talk about being alone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And people would ask me, they would be like, well, what's your plan when you go into labor? And I literally would say, I don't know. I just believe, I, w- I would cut it short and I said, I just believe that God is going to work everything out. And wow. to me, in my mind, that meant I was going to have a healthy pregnancy. I was going to have a healthy delivery. You know, my son would be able to stay in there long enough for maybe a family member to come, yeah. you know, drive four hours and be with us during that time. You know, yeah. that was my thinking, right? Because I, okay. I couldn't yeah. bear to think anything else. <laughs> so did it work out like that? No, not at all. <laughs> All of my worst fears came true that day. <laughs> so tell us, you you know, you had this yeah. vision of how God would pull through for you and yeah, it just didn't happen. So yeah, yeah. Tell us what happened. Tell us how it went down. Um, man, that, so, so it was two days after Christmas. I, I woke up and I was in that nesting phase. I felt like I needed to clean profusely and I okay. was down on my hands and knees and I was scrubbing the bathroom floor. And my youngest son comes in and he goes, my, or my oldest son now, he goes, why are you crying? And I was like, oh, honey, I said, I'm just so tired. And I remember being in so much pain. Mm. And at the time, it was just us two living in Pennsylvania. Okay. But what was really interesting was that that particular day, it was three weeks before my due date. I had a friend who had traveled from Atlanta, mm-hmm. stopped in Pennsylvania to visit us. on their way to Boston to visit family. Okay. Well, they were on their way back getting ready to leave. And I just happened to be going into labor at that very moment. And this friend happened to be my son's godmother. So I I said, guys, I'm like, you know, I don't, it don't leave me here. Just take me to the hospital. I don't think I can make it. Yeah. And I got to the hospital. And next thing you know, I'm being wheeled down the halls of the emergency room. Um, they can't find the baby's heartbeat and wow. I'm being put to sleep. So all of my worst fears kind of came true in that moment. But it was funny because a snowstorm like literally happened. Uh, it was a blizzard at the very moment we got to the hospital. So the friends that were there, they could not leave. They were stuck there for at least three or four days. And my son had somebody to be with who loved and cared for him. Yeah. And at the time I was being taught a very necessary lesson by God. Mm. And it all kind of worked out in the end. It was just, it was just so beautiful how it all worked out. What was the, what was the necessary lesson? Break it down for us. Yeah. The, the, le- the necessary lesson. And I think you're kind of alluding to this is that sometimes as women, we put our, like, we put our, our, our need and we, we have this idea that we can't go it alone. Right. And we can't, we can't do it alone and we don't have the strength and we don't have yeah. the resources and we don't yeah. know everything. We can't protect ourselves. We can't. Yeah. Um, and we hold on to things longer than we have to. Yeah. And so in that moment, I had put my trust in the fact that other people would take care of everything. Mm, say could, that, Desiree. I couldn't have planned Ooh. this 
there was no labor plan that I could have put together that would have been better than what God established. Right. So that very lesson was that oh if gosh. I put my trust in him, that if I just believe, get up and put one foot in front of the other, he's going to take care of the, the rest. You know, oh my gosh, you just, whew. Um, Blew my I, mind. I, I got my chills. Mind yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you, it is, it is one of the most humbling and most uplifting lessons mm -hmm. ever to know that to literally go from, I was just having this conversation with a friend, a colleague the other day, and um, she said, you know, it's easy to trust when things are going well. It's easy to yeah. trust and believe that God is your provider when things are going well. And I argued, I don't think we do trust it's not when things are going well. Mm -hmm. We don't need to. Mm -hmm. There's no, what are we trusting in, Right. Things are going well. We know when the next paycheck is coming in. We know when the next mortgage payment is getting made or rent payment. We know where the next grocery money is coming from. We know yeah. where the next tank of gas is coming from. Yeah. We don't have to trust anything with that. Right. right. But to have this lesson for God to show us that here's what I believe is so bold and beautiful about what you said, because it doesn't make sense to people, hmm. that level of confidence. Like when you said, when people were asking you, what's your labor plan? And you're like, I don't have one, but I know God's gonna take care of it, right? That doesn't make sense to people. And when it doesn't make sense to people, when it doesn't make sense to our reasoning, we start to look a little reckless. <laughs> yeah, right. for sure, for sure. I know people People were probably like shaking their head at me. Right. Usefully. Right. Like, how could you be so irresponsible? How could you, you know, just throw throw your whole life to cost, throw your whole life to the wind? Yeah. 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 And so, I, many, and so I, many things could have happened wrong that day. Yeah. That's the thing. So many things could have happened wrong that day. And hey, when we were on the phone, when we first met, you mentioned like a little kind of just icing on the cake that God gave you. Yeah. When you were yeah. in that situation with the doctor. Can you tell right. the listeners and viewers about that? Sure. Yeah. I, I was telling Sherry that, you know, I was being wheeled down the hallway and I always tell us, you know, like a funny story. I said, you know, my literally I'm on all fours and my butt is in the air, like I'm butt naked, you know, and I'm just like, like no the time most to be vulnerable you could ever yeah, be. No time to be embarrassed. It's like, whatever. It's like, you know, I may not even live through it at this point. You know, I'm, I'm going down the hallway thinking like, so, so what? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what they see. So I get into the, I get into the OR and there's a black female doctor there. Mm. And at this time I had not ever had a black doctor, um, black female doctor before. Wow. And I was telling Sherry that, you know, you know, all of the tragedies that surround black women in labor in this country. Mm -hmm. And certainly that was the thing that was going, going through in my head. And like this is going to be me now. Yeah, this is going to be me. Yeah, yeah. And just to have that advocacy that she was there, it was like mm. this little like icing on the cake that yes. God, God just kind of dropped it in there. And little if gift, you thought that you, if you, you thought that you should be worried, check that out. There's right. just a little bit of this here. For oh, you. I love that. Oh, it's my so gosh. funny because I remember her saying she put her hand on my shoulder and she said, she said, are you she said, are you nervous? And I don't even remember if I answered. She said, don't be. And then she started instructing everybody. She said, all right, people, if we're going to get this baby, it's going to be now. And she started giving orders. 
and it brought this little sense of relief because I was yeah. like, oh yeah, that, yes. you know, auntie is on it. Like I could just go to sleep. You know what I mean? <laughs> I auntie that. is here. <laughs> but you know, but that's the other beautiful thing. Like God just provided for you in spades. I mean, in ways that, right? Like in ways that you hadn't anticipated, you were just asking for a, a delivery and a, a healthy delivery. And, and he's like, but I'm going to give you a little bit more. It's so true because she wasn't my doctor. And the doctor mm -hmm. that I had, unfortunately, didn't take the precautions, even though I was a high risk pregnancy, yeah. to know that I was having trouble. I should have been having yeah. several ultrasound appointments up until that moment and I didn't. So thank God that doctor wasn't there that day. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. okay, this is a lot of alone space and I want to dive yeah. into something after that, but even if we don't get to that, I, I don't care because we're, we're on a roll right now and people need to hear, um, the kind of, they need to hear us peel back the layers of this a little bit, but the feeling alone and what did you, you know, I always talk about thriving means that you learn about yourself, you grow. You learn something new about yourself. And so I hear that you learned something about God and his provision yeah. for you and his value for you. Oh, yeah. But I wonder, what did he show you? What did God show you in that process about you, about oh, who gosh. you are? Yeah. So many things. So many things. I had become re reliant upon my own skill to sort mm -hmm. of get me through things. Mm-hmm. And I believed that I could outwork myself, you know, I, I could work myself out of anything. You know, if I worked hard enough at it, I could make this relationship work. Sure. You know, yeah. if I worked hard enough at it, I could expect people to change. You know, if I, if I worked hard enough at something, I could get, you know, I would reach this level of success that I wanted. And I recognized mm -hmm. that I was this sort of doer, right? Mm -hmm. And You I, were the champion. I was the champion. And I attributed my value and my worth to all of the things that I could do, that I could accomplish, oh, that I could fix. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that started a, a journey for me to begin to peel back some layers on who I was, right? Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and kind of what well, the path that, that my life would take and what, it, and what it did hold, because I didn't know all of those things. You know, mm -hmm. I had this very, I had this idea that my life would go a certain way. And when it didn't, you know, there was no, there was no plan B, there was no backup plan for me. Well, and then you discovered your frailty as a human. Mm, yeah, very true. Right? Like you said your value and your worth were comprised of what you could do and what you could get yourself out of and what you could fix. And then here you certainly were in a situation that you just had zero influence over. Right. Yeah. Take us, fast forward us a little bit into... Um, after all of that, after your worst fears culminated in the hospital and here you are like being rolled on a gurney with your butt in the air and all of this uncertainty is happening. Tell us, uh, fast forward a little bit, um, to now you're out of the hospital. You have two boys at home. You have an yeah. infant and Ooh. a Ooh. seven or eight year old, I guess. Yeah. Um, yep. yeah. So tell us about some alone spaces you experienced there and what you learned about yourself as a single mom of two boys. Yeah. You know, regardless of the moment that I had, 
life never stops being challenging. You know, I think for parents, um, all parents, all caregivers, you know, and single parents, of course, they understand the overwhelming responsibility that they have to care for more than one life. Yeah. You know, more than one person. If something, if something crumbles, you almost feel like it all falls on you. And so you can just never have this space to just kind of break down. Um, And so there was this tremendous pressure to just succeed still, to just make sure that I could give my children everything that they deserved. Mm -hmm. And there was this guilt and this shame that I had about, you know, the environment that that I was bringing them into. And so Mm -hmm. I wanted to do everything possible so that they didn't experience any sort of, you know, loss or hurt or pain mm-hmm, from the situation, mm-hmm. the circumstances that they had been born into. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And have you at any point found out that um, their pain is beyond your control? Have you <laughs> Have you had exposure to that truth at all as a single mom? <sighs> that you can try, but yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, and, yeah, and I recognize that. And I, I know that we can't control, you know, what world we're born into and who it is that we're born to and the yeah. things that we in- experience and how we internalize and interpret those yeah. things, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I recognize they'll have their own things that they uh-huh. they will work through as they mm-hmm. become adults. And so yeah. even though I think you understand that, you know, it's tough to it's tough to hold on to that as a parent because you want to do everything that you can for those kids. Yeah. And that's a so very, that's a very alone space. To try to do everything for them. To try to do everything for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Be everything and do everything. Mm-hmm. Now what from your previous lesson of, you know, not having a plan and trusting God to provide you with this, you know, delivery and birthing plan and he worked everything out. What have you taken from that opportunity to thrive and learn that God is your provider and now being, you know, still being single mom who still has this aching or gnawing or nagging to want to do um, everything. So how are you carrying that through in your daily life as a single mom? You know, as time passes, it gets a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. I'm thankful for my experiences, you know, because one of the things, um, one of the things that that lesson gave me back at that hospital was some momentum, you know, and what I, after I left that hospital, it was just kind of like I was off to the races. It was like, you know, no longer will we settle in this one place. Mm. We will go after everything that rightfully we can have. So I remember, you know, coming home from the hospital and applying for jobs in the South in Atlanta, Um, you know, kind of landing the first, the first job that, that flew me down to interview uh, and then moving out of Pennsylvania, right? Because I had Mm -hmm. some family and friends that were closer in Atlanta and wanted to be close to them. Um, and I wanted my sons to just, I wanted them to experience that. I wanted to expect yeah. them to know that regardless of your situation, you can mm-hmm. still, you can still thrive. You can still get yeah. up and move. You can still chase your dreams when things change and things are unexpected. Yeah. You still have the ability to go after whatever it is that you want in life because you really have nothing left to prove to anybody but yourself. That's how I feel. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that lesson has certainly been like, there's a constant undoing, you know, uh, of, mm-hmm. of these lessons. And I recognized of myself that, you know, just over the last couple of years that I, 
I experienced less joy. You know, I wasn't able to have as much fun with my kids because I was yeah. constantly worried about what I was yeah. missing, what they were missing, you know, mm. what we're missing mm -hmm. out on in life by not being a, a, a two income household. You know, yep. is our home mm -hmm. big enough? You know, do we have a big enough yard? Yeah. We can't have a yeah. dog in the place that we live in now. And it was this, yeah. you know, they seem they seem trivial, but you know, those things yeah. hurt, yeah. you know, as a parent, you want to be able to uh -huh. give your kids everything you feel that they deserve. But, you know, now now I know that I'm doing my best and I know that my best yes. is being showing up every day as a yeah. loving, caring, joyful yeah. mom and giving yeah. them all of that, not giving them, bringing them home extra income, bringing them home a bonus at the yes. end of the, you know, at the end of the month, yeah. not, you know, yeah, not that. I, I recognize right. that they, they need more than just material things. Mm -hmm. What are the lessons about their worth and their, their value that you want to um, pass on to your young men, your boys, your boys becoming young men. You have one that just turned 15. Yeah. Um, what is it that you want them, that you want to be certain before they launch from your nest that they know about right. their value and their worth? Yeah. Pretty simply, I want them to know that they are enough. Mm. You know, I think that was a lesson that I learned late in life. Yeah, that if I had understood <laughs> earlier, it may have prevented mm -hmm. me from going through some of the things that I went through. Yeah, yeah. And knowing that you're enough, how do you really teach that? You know, that's a that's a tough thing to teach. It's well, that's my that, question for you. How 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 are you how doing are you that? Through experience, you yeah. know. Yeah. I think for mm -hmm. me, what I what I recognize is that I didn't stop to celebrate things. It was mm -hmm. like. We accomplished something and it was like, oh, uh, you know, like we should have done that 10 years ago, off to the next. Ah, you know? And there was this of lack of celebration. Yeah, yeah. Kind of savoring the moment and just yeah. enjoying that the joy with them. You were exactly. talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're and, learning to have more opportunities and be more embracing of joy. Yeah. Be more embracing of joy and then also be um, more celebratory of their experiences. That was yeah. something that I didn't do as a kid, something that I didn't do as a young adult. You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. I didn't celebrate those things because they were expected. Um, so I want them to know that everything that they accomplish is enough. And it doesn't yeah. make me love you more. Yeah. I'm happy when you color inside the lines. I'm happy when you graduate, <laughs> you know, from first grade. Yeah. I'm excited when you something finally clicks in your head and yeah. you, you're able to execute a football play. I'm excited for you just because you are you and I love you and you're my son. Yeah. You know, and I want them to know that everything they do is enough. Yeah. So, hey, Desiree, I have a question for you. Um, I know that we were connected by a mutual friend and I know you have a heart for other women, but just out of curiosity, what, besides me and maybe twisting your arm a little bit, <laughs> what made you decide to come on the show? Ooh, what made me decide? I guess I just have this, um, I used to have this fear of being seen, Sherry, right? Okay. Yeah, this fear of being seen. Didn't really want anybody to recognize uh, recognize me or recognize my heart, pretty much. Ooh. Because I just had this fear of being seen. That's yeah. deep. Yeah, being seen for who I was. Yeah. 
Um, and I no longer have that fear. Okay. I'm in a place where, like, like I was just telling you, I'm celebratory, mm -hmm. and I want my kids to know they're enough, and mm -hmm. I'm just beginning to experience the fact that I am enough, and it feels like the right moment to tell the story. And I also, yeah. I also have had this, like, you know, I know that being a single mother, being a single parent, mm -hmm. is a difficult place to be in, and I know that all of the time, all, all single parents, all single mothers, they they don't thrive, you know, yeah, sometimes, true. sometimes those experiences can prevent you from moving forward and they can mm -hmm. keep you stagnant. Mm -hmm. They can attack your faith, you know, yeah. and create, so cause would you, you to be a non-believer. Yeah, true. Would you say though, that the experiences cause that or the response to those experiences causes that? I would think it was the experience. Okay, but in your case, your response to your experience changed your future. Yeah. Right? You you could have said, I'll keep going through this. Yeah. But you changed your experience because of your response. Changed my experience because of my response. That's very true. I never thought about it. Not that saying way. it's easy. No, it's not. That's not, it's not. And I just want so many people to understand that, you know, people, people are like, well, you could just make different choices. No, everybody doesn't it's... have the ability to make those choices all the time. Right. Right. That's true. Yeah. So it's, it's responding within the scope of available responses to you, mm -hmm. right. To those experiences. Yeah. And like you said, just putting one foot in front of the other. Putting one foot in front of the other. Sometimes that's all you can do. It reminds me of that scripture, like, there's a time and a season for everything and Ecclesiastes. Like yeah. there's a time to mourn and a time a time to to dance, you know, there's a time yeah. to weep, there's a time to to I don't know what the exact scripture is, but I think if we, we recognize that this moment isn't gonna last forever. There is a time mm -hmm. when you will mourn, That's there's good. a time yeah. when you will have sadness, yeah. right? And in mm -hmm. those moments you're being changed for something and you may not even recognize what it is, but just trust that you're being changed for something for the better. And you'll have your time. You'll have your time to dance. You'll have your time yeah. for joy. That, that will yeah. come. That will come. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think about, um, I think about it from, this is probably a scripture too, but from, mm -hmm. you know, planting and, um, yeah. and working on a garden, like you don't mm -hmm. do that forever at some right. point you reap a harvest, but you also don't reap a harvest forever. It has to go back to yeah. working and toiling in the soil, right? Yeah, so true. Yeah. And okay. it's so, it's, I love what you said about just um, kind of putting one foot in front of the other. And I've got the sunlight now coming on, which is good because we're <laughs> it is getting ready to, it is good, but we're getting ready to wrap up before it's going to be right in my eyes. But today we're recording on um, the day that we commemorate Martin Luther King Jr.'s life. Yeah. And I watched a speech of his um, this morning that I'm, I'm sure maybe I've seen, but I maybe not in my adult years. Mm -hmm. And he basically said, I, I can't remember who he was talking to, but he basically said, there's three things that I want you to remember. He's like, one, that you believe in your inherent dignity as a person, that you matter, right? that you don't need anything added to you or whatever to make you matter more, that you just have that inherent dignity. That's one. Yeah. 
to everything that you do, you put excellence to it. Like everything that you do, you, if you know, if you're a dishwasher, you wash dishes the best as anybody could ever wash dishes. You know, if you're um, a speaker, you speak as eloquently as any speaker, you know, whatever it is that you find yourself doing, that you do it with excellence. And then the third thing he said is to always um, believe in the truths of beauty. Um, I can't remember the second one, beauty, something and justice. And then at the very end, he wraps that up and he says, so if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. By all means, just keep moving. Just keep moving. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> that is so amazing it's, because it's so it's, relevant to your story. So relevant. Yeah, it's so relevant. So relevant to a lot of a lot of people's story. And mm-hmm. it looks different for everybody else. So I love yeah. the way he ends that by saying, if you can't what do you say? If you yeah. can't fly, then run. If you can't fly, then run. Right. Yeah. If you can't I, run, I might then fly. Walk. Yeah. I might fly, but maybe you run. Right. Maybe you walk. I maybe might be able crawl. to crawl, but maybe you're walking. And that's okay. It's not going to yeah. look like what everybody else's story that's looks right. like. That's right. And then you right. have to be okay marching to the beat of your own drum, right? Oh, that's good. So Desiree, you've probably probably already shared with us like a gazillion truths. But to close out the show, I ask every guest um, if there's one truth that you want the people listening and watching to remember when this show ends, what would that be? Yeah. You know, really it's to just understand that you really don't have anything to prove to anybody. Mm. The only person that you need to prove something to is yourself. Yeah. You know, so don't worry about what you've been through and how it might look to others. Yeah. You know? Begin to work on yourself and you'll watch how things slowly begin to unfold and and look up for you. And it will take time, but make sure you're trying to prove it to yourself and you're not trying to prove it to, you know, anybody else or to the world. What a powerful story about thriving alone that my dear friend Desiree shared. Please do connect with her. All of the links and the ways to do that are in the show notes. And share this episode with somebody that you know who needs to hear that all they have to do, all they must do is literally just keep putting one foot in front of the other and trust that God will provide for you in spades. My friends, I'm so grateful that you joined us for another episode of Thriving Thoughts. Please share this episode with a friend. If you're an Apple Podcasts user, please do rate the show five stars. That helps us get this message of thriving alone, that that's a possibility, thriving alone in front of other people who need to hear it. Until Friday with another solo episode for me, probably about growth, please remember to speak truth over the lies and you will thrive in any way.